This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. Hello, everyone. I hope today's episode finds you in good spirits. Before the episode begins, I want to share an important message with you. Last week, my 40k teammates and I received terrible news. One of our friends and teammates took his own life on November 6th of last year. Now, this came as a shock to us, but I'm sure the surprise we felt paled in comparison to the grief and devastation that his family and loved ones felt when they received the news. I know a lot of us get caught in the day-to-day of being in a hobby as great as Warmer 40k, but I think it's important to remember that we are a community, and we need to look out for each other. So, if you are listening to this podcast and you feel lonely, hopelessness, helpless, or any other feelings that cause you everyday pain and depression, please find help. Uh, I'm going to provide some hotlines and resources for you to go to in the show notes, and I also want to let you know that I am willing to listen. If it makes you feel more comfortable, email me, frontlinegamingpdpab at gmail.com, or reach out to some of the amazing people in this community. Please take care of yourself and each other. I decided not to put any intro music into today's episode. I felt like the atmosphere created by the intro music is contradictory and a bit insensitive to the content of this message. Um, So I'm just going to start the episode now. I hope you enjoy it, and we'll see you all later. Hello everyone, and welcome to Chapter Tactics, your 40k podcast which focuses on playing warmer 40k competitively at all levels of the game. I'm your host, PD Pob, and before we get started, I just want to make some quick announcements. The first and foremost is uh, I am a little sick. My my little 14-month-old demon spawn uh, got me again. Good old Papa Nurgle's blessings. Um, so I'm a little sick, so bear with me. However, I brought two amazing co-hosts with me, Mr. Sean Abuse Puppy. Hello, everyone. And Jeff in Control Robinson. Hello. So they're going to be picking up the slack for my lack of talking, um, which they're perfect at, so it's going to be great. Um, also, if you guys are interested in some humor, uh, the guys from Life After the Cover Save, Big Nasty B, Blake, and Robo Ed, have a very special announcement for you guys at the end of the episode regarding their roles in this year's LVO. It is very funny. It's worth listening to. And then finally, last announcement, the Golden Sprue Cup GT just happened. You guys are listening to this the Monday after the Golden Sprue Cup. Uh, the reason why I say that is because it's going to be one of the last big potential events for a lot of prominent East Coast 40k players like Nick Nanavati, Andrew Gagno, Nick Rose, Sean Nade, and Alex Fennell. Those are all guys you could potentially go with is in their area, their stomping grounds. Um, so I will be talking about it next episode, uh, but the results will have happened now. You guys might be looking at the results like literally right after this episode. Um, so just to give you guys a heads up, that's why I didn't talk about it. And that's it. So let's get into it. So today, we're going to be talking about the three codexes that were just released by Games Workshop. Or I guess the two codexes that were just released by Games Workshop and the codex that's about to be released uh, by Games Workshop, the Chaos Demons Codex. So we're going to talk about them and we're going to talk about their impact on the Las Vegas Opens meta and their impact on your meta and your local meta now. So we're just going to talk about some of the strengths of the codexes, some of the things that we think we're going to see. So it's not going to be a comprehensive review of all three codexes. And if we miss something or if 
If you think that we, we're not talking about a powerful combination that you are aware of, uh, please forgive us. Uh, let us know in the comments uh, or via email. Uh, I'm sure I'd like to hear about it, like to hear about what powerful combinations you guys can think of or you guys think will do really well at tournaments. And before we jump into that main topic, uh, I want to talk about two tournaments. Uh, one, the Hammer in the New Year GT at Huzzah Hobbies. Mr. Sean Naden won that event uh, with a very, very interesting Eldar list. In second place, Nick Nadavati, also a very interesting Eldar list. Um, and I wanted to show you guys that. So uh, first off, if you want to look at those lists, you can go to Best Coast Pairings, download the player app on your Google or, or your Android or Apple device, and you can see the list with the subscription. Although, yeah, at this point, at this point, the the, the date will have already passed, so you do need a script, a subscription to see the list. But I'm also going to repeat the list here. So, let's pull up the list real quick. And uh, while I'm pulling up this list, Sean, Jeff. What did what is this kind of like? What kind of jumps out at you guys about the list so far? Like just first impressions. Well, before we talk about two, I, I want to mention it's almost as important as what that list is. Is the list it beat in the top table to win the tournament? <laughs> did you see that? Yes. Um, uh, actually, actually, no, I didn't. Four fire raptors, Gilliman, I believe it was five psychers, and then like a handful of other guys for points, like the the troops. Yeah, and Four like the usual fire lieutenant and whatnot. Yeah. Yep. So I, I just think it's funny because that tournament was jam-packed full of phenomenal generals, fantastic players, some of the best we have in the world, but certainly America. And um, it's funny, too, because, you know, Flyers kind of went a little bit the way of the Dodo. In this, I, I almost like in our in the front of our brain, I guess, not really on the tabletop. They're still very powerful, but for a lot of people... The Storm Raven thing was getting way out of hand, but after Chapter Approved, for whatever reason, the Fire Raptor dipped down in points, and <laughs> that was the kind of list that almost won. So Sean Naden was already a hero in my book, but he just became like a god-tier hero in my book because his list is like an eclectic um, a drop hodge. of a it, – it's a, it's a reigning min list. Like it drops a big block of uh, – I think it's Guardians or whatever, and they just put a bunch yeah. of Shuriken shots into you, which is really cool. Not particularly like over the moon, super amazing, but all the combos make them fairly defensible. They hit fairly hard. They'll clean, they'll, they'll clear out Shafe, you know. And uh, he actually broke down in the competitive uh, Facebook page on Facebook, obviously, um, what he did to beat that list. And he kind of just tabled him by killing everything but the Fire Raptors, if I recall correctly. So you uh, guys can break no, down the list. But I thought that was interesting. Uh, According to Sean, at least, and what he had posted to the group, I don't know a lot about the tournament itself, but he actually blasted the Fire Raptors themselves off the table. Oh, okay. There yeah. You go. He just shot everything to shit. Uh, being able to assault them with the Incarnate and with the Autark mm -hmm. Skyrunners goes a long ways towards making those things easy to deal with. And you would have thought Dark Reapers would have eaten them up before that, too. Not, not, Sean's list has, like, no or minimal Dark, Dark Reapers, but other lists. I don't believe it contains any. any. Yeah. Like a lot of Eldar right now are just doing like minimum 25 or 35 Dark Reapers, so you would have thought that going first against that would have killed it. But as luck would have it, I guess that list just never faced it, or if it did, it went first. And He played, I know, two different Dark Reaper heavy Ally Talk lists. 
I don't know whether he got first or second turn against them, uh, but I think a big part of what his list does is he just doesn't give people targets. A lot of his list starts off the table and comes in by some form of deep strike or another, either webway or natural. Um, And so, like, turn one, it's kind of like, what do you shoot at? I don't know, like, three squads of rangers? Right. Yeah. So before we go any further, let's let's just tell everyone the list for, for those of you who can't see it. Uh, he's an Inari in battalion with in, the Incarn, uh, Ivrain, Mogin Ra, who's a pretty good Phoenix Lord, uh, two units of Dark Eldar warriors, minimum bare bones, uh, 20 Eldar guardians, like Jeff said, with two shuriken cannon platforms, two units of swooping hawks, and a solitaire, and then uh, mm-hmm. Inari Supreme Command Detachment with Eldrad, a Warlock, and two Autark Skyrunners. I actually think that's the most important detachment in his army. Um, and we'll get to that a little later. And then an Alitok battalion with a Farseer, a Warlock, a Spirit Seer, and three units of Rangers. And that's it. There's there's no Dark Reapers, no Wave Serpents, no Hemlock Wraith Fighters. Uh, uh, what what's another? No um, Shining Spears. Nothing nothing that I can think of that Eldar have that are really powerful. Um, yeah, and it, it does a lot of things really cool. Like Sean's actually been running fairly eclectic Eldar lists for a while. Um. He definitely had, you know, when he when he one of his two times in the finals of the LVO, he definitely took, you know, a, a warp spider list, like kind of the common, the bikes. This is seventh edition. It was like, okay, I expected to see that kind of thing. But since then, he was running a lot of like Wraith Lords, Wraith Guard, that kind of like really fun, different stuff in there. A lot of swooping hawks, and then it just goes to show how good of a general he is. That even now in eighth edition with that list, he is rising not just to beat that ridiculous uh, fire or uh, Fire Raptor list, but also the other generals there. And he just is like a better general. It's a, it's a really cool thing. And I think it fits Eldar really well, too, because in my experience with Eldar, they have, again, but not to the same degree, obviously, and I'd love to hear your thoughts, Sean, on this, but they're, they're a good codex where like every unit is pretty darn good. But mm-hmm. I think that in the hands of someone that's competent in making the right choices, they really become awesome. And it's not like a bop on the nose, obvious, like, well, yeah, well, okay, Dark Reapers, for instance, always hitting on threes, high strength, high damage. That makes sense, right? But the rest of the Eldar Codex, I feel like, for the most part, is a little bit more subtle and combo-oriented and really cool for the finesse play. I think you're right on a lot of levels. Um, Sean is... He's a fantastic player. I've I've played him once or twice at a couple of the big tournaments. He is really good, and I think what he does best is he knows how to pinpoint weaknesses in lists and in the common lists you see, and this list really does a lot of that. He has the tools he needs to kind of like selectively pick things apart, and even though none of the units are obviously like incredibly powerful, uh, the way he can deploy them and the way he can kind of sync them up with each other allows him to do very powerful things. Um, that block of 20 Guardians is absolutely core to the list, and it's actually something I've been experimenting myself with a bit, although not in a Yanari list the way he is. Uh, but just those 20 bodies are really hard to get rid of. They put down an amazing number of shots, and... Um, as you mentioned, the ability to give them that four-up invuln is very, very strong. Yeah. Um, you can in in Sean's version of the list, uh, he also runs them as Ulthaway, so we can benefit from the plus one to hit from uh, the Black Guardian stratagem. Um, so he's throwing out two blocks of forty shuriken shots with a soul burst, and uh, 
they're hitting on twos. He has doom to reroll wounds. That's an amazing amount of firepower. And it's something a lot of lists can't deal with that. If he just falls in and completely clears out a, a 12 inch zone of the battlefield, then a lot of lists just fold up. Yep. And, and another thing that this list does extremely well, which I think Sean is, is one of the perfect players who takes full advantage of this is that new character rule introduced in chapter approved. Um, so that mm-hmm. you only have you, your models have to be the closest. Your character models have to be the closest model, regardless of their insight in line of sight or not. And Sean has uh, nine characters, ten. He's a lot. Yeah, he's 11, he's very 12. top heavy in this list. Yeah, he has twelve characters. Um, so he doesn't care about giving up headhunter. Uh, and I don't I don't know if he's it's an easy headhunter win. I I mean you you know the Skyrunners can fly around. Uh, Evrain. Eldrad, the Farseer, the Warlocks can all kind of form a, a protective smite bubble where they can both self-buff each other and all the units around them, so I feel like that would be really hard to just stand out in the open and attack. Um, and then obviously the Incarn and Mog and Ra are, are beat sticks as well, the Incarn's really, really mobile. So it, you mm-hmm. don't really want to pick Headhunter against this list in, in terms of ITC Champions missions. Uh, you, you don't want to pick uh, Death by a Thousand Cuts, although I, I would definitely pick it against him. Um, but after you pick the off the warriors, the dark elder warriors and the rangers, you don't have a lot of good options to shoot at. After that, yeah, I would argue the ability to deny secondary points in the ITC champion missions is one of the strongest things Eldar has going for it. Uh, my Eldar list basically doesn't give up full points on any uh, of the possible secondaries, and Sean's list is very similar in that respect. It's just it's super hard to score anything against them. Yeah. Um, Jeff, you're going to a tournament, uh, this, actually, you will, when you guys are listening to this, Jeff will have just won a tournament in Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. Shooting high here, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, I know those guys in Arizona. They're a bunch of, they're a bunch of scrubs. There's, there's, no, there's one guy named Don. Right. Oh, yeah. He's, Don's a good buddy of mine. We, we're ribbing each other uh, a while ago about his list. But, anyways. Um, Jeff, you are very much in the tournament mindset right now. Just like mm-hmm. Sean Naden, just like Nick Nadavati, just like those guys, Brandon Grant, um, they're all going to events, they're all psyching themselves up and getting ready for the Las Vegas Open. So, if you were to see this list in Arizona, face up against Sean Naden, how would you go about attacking this list with your Tyranid list? Well, I have a newfound respect for this kind of a list. I face, uh, with the Terran release, I played against Reese, and Reese ran also, runs, mm-hmm. excuse me, and he's in the finals of his local, uh, ITC League, which I think you played in as well, Pablo, with a very eclectic brigade Eldar list. And that it does have a unit of Dark Reapers, it does have the Shining Spears, but it has one of like everything, I think is what he boasts. And it's not I, I think that's not quite literally true, but it's close. It's it's a very it's a list that you would look at and be like, well I don't know. So I played against it and I underrated it, you know, as I often do, uh when facing Reese, because I'm just very confident that I'll beat him. But I was extremely impressed with just all the different things Eldar can do. So looking at, so with that newfound respect, looking at Sean's list, uh, it's kind of funny because I, I think before this win, I would have looked at it and been like, I would have felt like there's a trap. I'm like, what am I not seeing? Like, what 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 does this do that I don't, you know, what, Sean, can you explain to me what's going on? And he, and he, of course, wouldn't. But um, I think the very obvious thing is the Webway portal. And then without, like, the usual suspects of fire dragons or something in there that people typically want a webway portal in and nuke some kind of big thing. Um, you start to see that it is that big block of guardians and, and you do see the combo of what they can do. But even then for me, um, a lot of lists these days have 
you know, they have the chafe, they have the, the screen to put out there and, and it absorbs the firepower, but also creates space. So then I begin to, to look at his list and kind of question what's the next level of what this thing is going to hit me with? Because you drop that block out there, it's going to kill whatever your screen is, right? And then maybe shoot again and kill something else, or it's at least going to represent a big issue in that way. But otherwise, they're fairly short range. They don't super risk high armor, high strength stuff unless they get all their powers off, which, of course, um, a lot of lists don't have a way of stopping that. So maybe that is a big issue for them. But then you start to look at, and like you guys said, 12 characters. And I think in the ITC, that plays profoundly powerful. Because if you're playing on a good table in the ITC uh, 8th edition, which you need to be right now. If you're not, then you're playing a garbage version of Warhammer. Those characters are a bitch. They're out there. They're highly mobile. They're defensible in their own right. A lot of them have their own inbuilt defenses, like invul saves for the Farseer, etc. Mm -hmm. And tracking them all down and being able to kill them is a real big pain. So... It kind of goes back to the Eldar Jetbike issue of 7th edition where it's like your list needs to have either indirect fire or high mobility or a list like this one can just flat out outscore you. And unfortunately, in my opinion, in 7th edition, I felt like there was more mechanics where they could be scoring points, but there was some kind of big way to come back and win anyways. Like how many times did you win by, you know, line breaker with a kill point and knocking somebody off an objective, that kind of thing. In 8th edition... That still exists, but not nearly as much, right? If a guy's scoring five points on the primary and a couple of secondaries for the first three turns, you're probably dead. You're probably behind seven, eight points. Again, this is all hypothetical, of course, but that could be the scenario. The comeback place here is is really hard to pull off. So in my opinion, Sean's list plays really well to the objectives uh, and has like almost a... a like the threat of a scary hit, but it's like a quiet scary hit. It's not something that's so overt um, that you're, you're immediately globbing onto what the risk is. And then every little element of this list as well. So to answer your question, Pablo, I would just try to outscore them and sit on objectives. Cause I don't think as long as you can get rid of that guardian block or space it out and keep it away from primary targets, I don't think he has a lot of clear, not a lot of DACA in this list outside of that. Um, but it's, that's tough and tall order, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I would, I would definitely agree. I think the biggest weakness of the list, I think it doesn't have a lot of raw firepower. If you take out the Guardians and those two units of Swooping Hawks, he's kind of just a bunch of characters. I've actually been pretty un... Uh, Sean, what do you think? Like, I love the mobility of Swooping Hawks. I personally have been very unimpressed with with their... They, they hit, like, a wet blanket. They just don't really? hit shit very... Yeah, well, See, I mean, it's like strength three... And then only on a six, right? Is there a grenade or whatever? It's just not the grenades are on sixes. It's strength three, but it's four shots per guy. So yeah. like I run, I run three minimum units of swooping hawks, and typically they sort of just like fall out of the sky next to something. Um, they're not a hammer unit, but no. they're great for just sort of like stripping down. Like you say, you have to have a way to hunt down those guys like hiding behind ruined walls and shit like yeah. that. And hawks okay. are great for that. That's a good point. I actually really agree with that. But, like, I feel like a unit of five with an Exarch shooting a unit of five scouts doesn't kill them, right? Like, it only kills... Oh, no, absolutely not. Uh, you're taking one to three, depending on the dice. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you're probably taking another one with your bombs when you fall out of the sky. Um, so, like, you're you're wiping out basically a unit of your own point cost on the drop a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. Just because it's like 65 points for a squad of five. It's like nothing. Yeah, you're right. That's not, it's inexpensive. But I do agree with your point that I like that in this edition, you need to be able to be like, oh, shit, I can't get that objective over there. Drop down more like 
damage them enough, like three or four guys die of five or something like that, then all of a sudden that objective becomes yours to threaten. I think that's a very strong point. And the fact that they can hop back into the sky and cross the battlefield for next turn is also really big. A lot of people forget about that. Like I just did. Okay, you're right. They're really good. (laughs) (laughs) Their damage outputs. Well, like you say, Eldar are really easy to underestimate. Not a lot of what they do is overtly powerful other than Dark Reapers, which are good, but they're not the BL end of the book. No, absolutely not. Uh, They're also Oldway, so don't they benefit from the plus one your wound strategy? I want to say the Guardians have a better shooting strategy. I don't know Eldar Uh, very well. The old way have uh, Discipline of the Black Guardians, which for one command point gives you plus one to hit for the remainder of the phase with a squad of guardians. Okay, so so the the Swooping Hawks are also old way. You get plus one to hit, but that's not... No, no, that only works on guardians. Oh, it only works on guardians. It does not work on any Uh, other units. Okay, well, never mind then. Um, No, I'm with with Jeff on this. I I really struggle to see how how Sean killed four Fire Rappers. I really, really do. He's got fusion pistols on the Autarchs, right? Yeah, yeah. But uh, he has fusion guns, but yeah, same difference. They have banshee masks, and, and they're characters anyways, so they can hide behind cover and charge. Like I get that. I get that the Skyrunners can can kill fire raptors eventually, um, but four fire raptors grouped together, moving around, rerolling everything. Yeah, rerolling everything. You, you've got a Gillum in there, so Gilliman can just go and punk the Incarn. Um, I just, you know, I. I'm definitely missing something. I'd love to see Sean play it. Sean's a very cerebral player, and uh, I, at first glance, I would underestimate this list, too, completely. I, I have to imagine, I mean, I'd love to hear from him. I have to imagine he sat around on all the objectives, because that, that Fire Raptor list doesn't score almost at all, no. either. So mm-hmm. I think he scored huge, and then I think, I mean, by his account, he did kill the Fire Raptors, I guess, but I, I imagine it was the kind of thing where it's like, and then I throw this at it, and then I throw this at it. Like, it didn't have any screen units, so it didn't... Whatever came down and shot at it was able to get its shots off, from what I saw. It's yeah. just that it probably immediately died after that. So you kill a couple of Fire Raptors, the firepower goes down, and then they're trying to hunt these minus two to hit rangers that are probably all sitting on objectives, etc. So I, I think... yeah. Oh, I think I think we're missing something here, guys. Um, I, I, I need to talk to the, the tournament organizer for this, uh, but there's he has seven smite batteries in this list, right? So... The the GW um, smite nerf. They know, were using the beta so they were, rules for they were both using smite the and rules. characters. Okay, yeah, they so, were using them. Yeah. So Sean just just powered through it anyways. With I mean, he's got set access to seven smites, so it's going to reliably and get. I doubt he did all but, seven, and I'll tell you that. Yeah. The, the first three or four smites, it's not that big of a deal. Starting at five, going five, six, seven, eight. A lot of times, especially with the, I think he has the seer council, the mini seer council, right with the. Uh, he has warlocks. I don't believe he has any actual, like, warlock conclaves. Oh, he doesn't have the conclave? Yeah, he doesn't have conclaves, but, you know, he can use the Seer Council stratagem on just warlock and farseer, so... Well, that's what I meant, yeah. Yeah. So he gets, he gets access to ways to make that more efficient. You're pretty yeah. reliably getting off at least three, but probably four and maybe five smites off if you have yeah. all the characters in range. Especially against an army that doesn't have a lot of psychic defense. Yeah, right. like fire raptors. Well, well no, he I had five psychers, but, but yeah, that had a whole one. bunch of psychers in it. But yeah. right, it's I I think Doom plus the Guardians is basically how he was killing the Fire Raptors. Doom is such an amazingly good spell. Yep. Uh, could you uh, fill me in uh, on Doom? Oh, um, Warp charge seven power off a of Farseer. 
Uh, target one enemy unit. Anything that tries to hurt it gets to reroll wounds. With all of the rending weapons that Eldar still get on their basic troops and like the sniper rifles and whatnot for mortal wounds, it just puts so much damage onto things. Yeah, it's really powerful. All right, all right, Jeff. Well, uh, you've got a tournament this weekend, Jeff. You're preparing mm-hmm. for. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your preparations? Yeah, I, I I looked at this month as obviously it's just all about preparation for LPO. That's the tournament that I've been going to since the beginning, and I've always done okay, but not very well. And that's been kind of my big goal is to make that final eight and um, experience the thrill of that. So I went to a GT last weekend. I'm going to the Arizona one this coming weekend. The Arizona scene has a really good scene of players. Um I would say local Arizona is okay, but but a lot of the SoCal guys go to that, and then it makes it pretty strong, and then you see some Texas guys show up and stuff like that too. So it's potentially a good tournament. I don't know how many of those people will end up there, but uh, I was excited because I've been to uh, one or two tournaments there, and I've been. It, it's a good it's a good test. The TO is very competent. The players are all pretty strong. You're going to play some good games, uh, and the tables have terrain, which is actually. Still something you'll hear me beat that dead horse over and over again, because if you go to a tournament that doesn't have good terrain, uh, then it makes a huge difference. Uh, you're playing Yeah, you're playing a really bad version of, of Warhammer. It's just like who went first for the most part and, and what kind of list do you have? But yeah, um, as far as preparation goes for me, uh, my list is built around the ITC terrain, like what I know is going to be at the LVO. My list has a lot of Hive Guard and a lot of Biovores and a lot of indirect fire, a lot of ignores cover, that kind of stuff. So it really the strength of my list is counting on getting a couple of turns off of being aggressive, blunting your offense, and then scoring more than you and denying secondary points. That's that's the whole the whole jam of the list. So I, I want to be a better general going into this tournament. I just got done doing one, and I made a couple of mistakes myself where um, those kind of mistakes obviously happen because there's so much going on in Warhammer. But the more repetitions you get, the more practice you get, the less likely it will happen after traveling to Las Vegas and playing really important games, you know? Because that would suck. So that's what I'm going for. All right. It always feels really bad to make that big Ugh. fuck up that you knew what you were supposed to do and you just did the wrong thing because you're stupid. Yep. It happens in tournaments, but that's why you practice. you got to get yep. past it. Yeah. And, and uh, another note on the LVO train for you guys who were going to the LVO, a little tip for you guys. Uh, when I played Jeff, uh, when he came down to San Diego, when the Tyranids came out, it, he, his list at the time, I don't know if it still has the Gene Steelers, Jeff, no, it doesn't. No, but uh, his list at that time them. was was really good at taking the center of the board. And reason why that's very important is because a lot of terrain mm-hmm. maps, or a lot of terrain, ITC terrain has these big square buildings in the center or offset from the center that are ruins. They're designed to be ruins. So if you have a <clears throat> a big unit like Gene Stealers or Celestine or or something that can get into those ruins and hide in there and basically control the center of the board without getting shot at fighting for those big buildings is is paramount to winning it's yep. like you have to have something that can get into that building kill anything in there and then stay in there and pop out and charge things when they need to or score objectives or put pressure on your opponent so, yeah I, I played two games last weekend where it was the guy's list was insanely aggressive but because it wasn't able to get out and beyond the objectives i just won so one of the lists was uh, three Onagers with the Neutron Beam, Call, five Robots, five Castellans, all DACA, and then three Basilis, Drop Plasma, I think, no, maybe not Drop Plasma, uh, Celestine, 
and like a hundred guardsmen or something like that. Yeah, it all was the disgusting. usual suspects. Yeah, yeah, it was just disgusting. But the table didn't have that much cover, but the mission just had more the four objectives more central to the middle of the table. Um, so I just was able to the the line of sight blocking that we did have. I parked a couple of rippers behind it. And basically, for five or six turns, I just sat there and took it in the face. Just like the guy was just destroying me right and left. But I was getting four or five points on the primary and then, you know, a couple of points off of my secondaries each time. And at the end of the game, it was just enough for me to win. And that's it's, it's a very different way that way. But if your list, you know, like once Celestine was gone, he didn't have anything that could come out to the middle of the table and sit on objective at all. So I kept mm-hmm. racking up the bonuses. And that's just got to be something you got to consider because... And you're going to have cover, like Pablo just said, at the LVO, it's going to be line of sight blocking. So if you're like, well, I've got 70 Dark Reapers, it's like, that's cool. But if they can't see anything or, you know, if they have to move around and expose themselves and get in range of, of stuff, then you're you're not going to have a good day. you got to have some some element to your list that can do that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there reminds me of a guy who's who just showed up with uh, 116 heavy bolters. and He's talking about going to the Las Vegas Open uh, and he emailed me and he's a really nice guy. Um, but he was telling me all this math about how his, these heavy bolters can, like, kill Gilliman, like, three Gillimans, or kill a fire raptor <laughs> and a half. I'm like, yeah, that that's cool. Like, the, the math is really sound, but, uh, you know, you have to see those models. You know, you yeah. have a hundred, you have 116 heavy bolter shots that are just sitting there doing nothing except shooting. Um, so, I just think that's funny. Uh, shooting extreme armies. And, and, and I, I, Jeff's right. If, if you, if you take away terrain, that's what the game devolves into, and that's not fun. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. No. God. <clears throat> All right, guys, uh, we're going to go ahead and take a commercial break and then go on to the main topic. See you guys in a few seconds. Hello, everyone. Are you looking for a 40K event to round out your winter season? Then look no further than the Barry Bash. Located in Barry, Ontario, Canada, and only 45 minutes north of Toronto, the Barry Bash is a good event for you and your friends to attend. If you plan on being in Canada for doing something other than sightseeing some moose and drinking maple syrup. It's on Saturday and Sunday, February 24th through the 25th. It's being hosted by the Eternal Warriors Club, Canhammer, and Scarry from Scardcast. Should be a great event, and hopefully they will see you there. Alright guys, we're back. So, Blood Angels, Dark Angels, Chaos Demons. Three mm. new codexes that I, I, a lot of people have been very, very excited about. I, I would say that they are more excited, more Blood Angels players are more excited than the Tyranid players. And I can see why. The Blood Angels codex is, it's not over the top, it's not Chaos Space Marines, it's not the Guard codex, but it's, it's very Blood Angels focused. It's, you know, it's salting from the skies out of Deep Strike Reserve. It's still a very powerful codex, um, but it's very much more of a hammer, glass cannon style list uh, so it plays very much like blood angels should play i feel and then dark angels uh, i that codex is a bit of an enigma which which is funny because they're dark angels uh, but <laughs> i don't i don't understand how how that codex does really well uh but as as jeff jeff give is going to give us an anecdote a little later um the dark angels i guess they have tricks up their sleeves um and i know what they can do and brandon grant who who's our our local hero uh, made second place at Delvio last year. He's going back to his Dark Angels roots uh, with with uh, the kind of like the Death Star feel because he really made his name with uh, Ravenwing Death Stars and Guard. That was that was kind of how he started getting going. So he always kind of played with the Dark Angels. That's how he won 
the Bay Area Open two years ago. And so he's going back to Dark Angels, and he's he's telling me like how good they are, and I just like I don't see it. Uh, so Dark Angel players help me out. Um, and then obviously Chaos Demons. Chaos Demons are are once again one of the more powerful factions. I feel, um, you know, just like in seventh and sixth. So, anyways, um, let's go ahead and go into the let's go into the Dark Angels Codex first. Um, so, I gotta admit, go I'm a lot with you, Pablo. I <laughs> I don't know where Dark Angels are really coming from. They certainly have some tools that I can look at and say that is individually powerful, but then I sort of like, okay, what do they do as a whole? And I just haven't seen a lot of Dark Angels lists that impress me as of yet. But, you know, Jeff may have some better experience here. I don't have a lot of play experience against modern Dark Angels. Uh, so uh, before before Jeff talks about his uh, his game... um. The the things that jump out at me, Dark Angels, and the things that everyone seems to kind of coming back to, um, is of course Azrael. Azrael's still as good as he always was. He's got good stratagem mm-hmm. control. He's got the four plus plus, and also the Raven Wing with the uh, the power that let gives a unit minus one to hit and the Dark Shroud. Um, so Reese constantly tells me about how Dark Angels have these you know these hard hitting Deathwing or hard hitting Raven Wing units that you could potentially get up to minus three or minus four to hit. And so that's where that's where I think the strength of the Dark Angels lies. Uh, you know, you, these Ravenwing squads are expensive, uh, but they do have Corvus Hammers, they have Plasma Talons, they're fast, uh, they're minus two to hit, usually, uh, if you have a Librarian following them around, and and if you don't lose your, your Dark Shroud. And they're just, they're kind of kind of like what a Death Star, kind of like what they did before when um, when they were a Death Star unit. Uh, they're obviously, they're not invisible, you know, so, so they're very killable. Um, which is why I'm hesitant to call them elite and really powerful. But I think that in terms of Dark Angel lists, I feel like that's the go-to list. Um, but Jeff, what did the Dark Angels player that you played play? Yeah, he had <clears throat> he had a lot of what you just talked about. He actually had two Dark Shrouds as kind of a backup and a bigger bubble, which I think is interesting. I um, kind of feel like you need the second one. The first one's going to get shot down. Like it might take a bit of work, but it's going to get shot down. Yeah. They, they, I think the thing that kind of surprised you about Dark Angels is they're actually really mobile. But one of the the very interesting things about his list too was that he ran the three flyers, the all the, well, all three of the one flyer rather, the one that has the D three strength ten minus four or six shot D six damage, and it has a bunch yeah, of DACA, the, like twenty four. The, he- the rift cannon and two heavy or uh, two hurricane bolters. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, it's not it, it's not cheap per se, um, and with the Dark Shroud, it's minus two to hit that, so it's fairly defensible that way. It only has, I believe, it is eleven wounds or something like that. It's, it's so it's not like the most impressive stat line. It's ten or eleven, and I think it's actually a toughness six one, although it yep. might be a seven. Uh, yeah, but it's six. it is it is more fragile than a lot of flyers. More fragile. The the high strength gun is only range eighteen. So again, on paper, I looked at it and I. I just immediately underestimated and was like, well, okay, that's a lot of DACA, but I guess it's going to take it a turn or two to get across. Uh, but then you have to factor in, you know, Dawn of War and some of these different deployments where if you just deploy it right up on the line like that and you're not hugging the back line or if the terrain doesn't allow you to hug the back line, then you're kind of exposed. And again, I'm not saying this because I'm like, guys, this is the best flyer in the game. It's not. But three of those covered by two Dark Shrouds, a big block of dar- um, of Knights, and then he had these speeders. So he had Samuel and a speeder. And the speeder puts out 
18 shots or something like that. It was like, uh, it's got a twin assault cannon and a twin heavy bolter. So yeah, 18 shots all with minus one AP. All minus one AP. And then he gave somebody something that made them ignore cover as well, which, it, you know, in eighth edition is not the most amazing thing, but it's nice. There's takes, a relic, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It takes someone from going for like a three up or two up. And if they have power armor in, in cover type of thing to all of a sudden they're taking a four up or a five up or, uh, in Terran's case, you know, sometimes they're just not taking a save. So he had a couple of those. He had the three flyers. He had the big block. And then he just filled out his troop selection with a bunch of scouts. Uh, but then he did the lieutenant and uh, either chapter master or commander or something like that. So he's doing his all his rerolls. But the real nice thing about Dark Angels is uh, everyone knows they hit hard with plasma. But if, if they're constantly going for supercharge and they're ignoring most of the risk of that by having these rerolls, and then I can't remember the name of the stratagem, but the um, weapons from the Dark Age. That's the one, exactly. It's just one command point. Yeah, one command point for plus one damage on all your plasma shots for a unit is just huge. Yep. So he was it doing means... strength eight, minus three, uh, three damage plasma, like in DACA form, basically. Yeah. And even just using it without overcharging, like if you don't want to go for the risk, just pop that when you don't overcharge and you're still two yeah. damage. That's taken out Primaris. So if you're out of the reroll bubbles, sure, go for that. Um, and then he also ran a unit of three of the Plasma Primaris guys. What are they called? The Aggressors or something? Uh, the Jump Pack guys? Yeah. Inceptors, I think. Inceptors. <laughs> so I'm not saying this is the most incredible balls-to-the-wall amazing list I've ever seen in my life, but but for Dark Angels, you're not facing that many of them. And then I was surprised by how hard it hit and then how defensible it was, which is a really key combo in 8th edition. If you can be any kind of defensible and, and still put out high firepower, mm-hmm. uh, I feel like a lot of the game gets decided in the first couple of turns and it gives you some defense against going second, which is a big deal in this in this edition as well. Yeah, uh, you need to be able to go second. If you right. just lose when you t- if you don't get first turn, you don't have a real list. You won't find yourself in the final tables because it's just going to happen a couple no. of times. Yep. So Dark Angels have that inbuilt. And, and I do have to say a lot of codexes like people would say, oh, every codex can do that. It's like, no, not really. I think I think codexes have their defensible things, but I think they're in a worse spot than others in terms of what they need to do. And we can talk about that with uh, Blood Angels in a second. But with Dark Angels, yeah. they have access to huge bubbles of minus one. They are fairly tough guys. Even the guys on bikes are multi-wounds, tough five dudes, so that they're they're not the easiest things to shoot after you get past the minus one. And then they're very mobile, so you can set them up further back on the table, and then they can pop forward. They, they have stuff like they get a four-up invul when they advance on their bikes, all that kind of stuff. So they have access to defense, and then their stratagems make their offense surprisingly powerful. Yeah. Yeah, that combination of offensive defense, like you said. Yeah, so I'm, I'm looking through the stratagems here, and... Actually, uh, they have a really, really, really good stratagem called Speed of the Raven, um, mm-hmm. which is you pick up yep. one of your Ravenwing units, and that unit can um, still shoot and charge, and you use it after they advance. So you can advance with Ravens. You move 20 inches, shoot something with weapons from the Dark Age, and then charge something else. And yep. and then if it's a Chaos Space Ring character, you can use Hunt the Fall, like if it's like Magnus, right? So, so you go up, you you shoot something, maybe you shoot the crap out of Magnus, and you charge cultists or vice versa. Um, you can hunt the fallen Magnus to give him reroll the hits against him. You can never forgive, never forget, which all the space marines have, which give you extra exploding sixes. Um, and mm-hmm. then you can attack again with honor of the chapter. Um, so 
you know, you've got this really, really hard-hitting Death Star unit, essentially. The minus two to hit, mm-hmm. really durable. Uh, like Jeff said, the invuln save when they advance. And you can kind of do the same thing with the Deathwing, uh, with Forges of Shields. You can give them minus one to hit with Forges of the Shields if you have Storm Shields in the in the unit. So you can drop down Fortress your Deathwing Fortress of Shields is actually minus one to wound, and it only works in the fight phase. So oh. I think it's a little less impressive than people tend to think. But, you know, giving Magnus or something big like that minus one to wound can shift your numbers a lot. Yeah, thanks, Sean. I, I misread that. It's a little dark over here. Um, it's also a complicated stratagem that a lot of people get wrong. Yeah, and, and I would argue that minus one to wound is probably better than minus one to hit. Um, oh, yeah, if I really given the choice between the two of them, I would take minus one to wound. Yep. So, yeah. So... That's um, the ability to put hard-hitting, you know, Death Star units in your opponent's face quickly um, is, I think, the main strength of Dark Angels. Although, mm-hmm. I'm trying, looking to see if if um, maybe Azrael sp- Razorback spam, that was really popular in Index 40k. I don't know if they nerfed that or changed Azrael. Uh, the price bump hurts it a little. I'll tell you what, too. I looked at the list and I was like, well, all right, he's going to be shooting plasma at Termagants and I'm going to be shooting him for a few turns with Hive Guard and Biovores and stuff like that. And that is part of what happened. And the game is close, by the way, even with me having no cover and no terrain. But he, the list has a surprising amount of DACA as well, and I think that's an underrated part that is also kind of like a... You would put it in your top five of what you have to do, and, and maybe you don't call it DACA, you call it you need to be able to clear screens. Like, a lot of lists hit really yeah. fucking hard, and we'll talk about that with Dark Angels, or Blood, Blood Angels again. But they can't clear a screen or they don't have access to something that very well clears a screen, right? Dark Angels mm-hmm. have that inbuilt with them. You you should not face a list that's 35 guys on bikes with all plasma. It should include stuff. It should include speeders or flyers or razors, some access of the 12 or 18 range shot variety. And then it's the very typical Space Marine uh standard strategy which is park them next to guys that give you rerolls of ones uh, or you know reroll one to wound as well and now you're accurate enough you don't need to be rerolling everything with like gilliman kind of convinces you but as long as you're rerolling those kind of things you're 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 putting down screens yeah laying out like all those storm bolter and hurricane bolter shots with reroll one to hit reroll one to wound you're pretty close to being gilliman at that point it's good enough yeah exactly and you're yeah. saving like 200 points anyway. So. Yeah, yeah, completely. Uh, so okay, so uh, did he did he have any flyers, Jeff? You remember? Yeah, that's what I said. He had the three flyers. He, had the th- he uh, didn't say that at the beginning. Um, it was the three. How oh, dark? Not dark shroud. God, I can't dark remember the Talon. name of their two flyers. Yeah, the dark Talon. Yeah, they have a bomb. It, the bomb's like the kind of cool thing about it is if they wounded you with their big gun on a three plus, they do D three more mortal wounds. Oh, wow. Um, as long as they haven't degraded. Yeah. So it's, so it's, it's like, you don't look at them and go, wow, like that's going to drop. That'll kill Mortarian. Like, it's not like that, but it gives him access to the higher strength and they have the pseudo strafing run as well. So they're, they're hitting on threes. Um, because well, they're heavy weapons. So they're, they're hitting on threes. The other guns are hitting on, I think twos or whatever. Yeah, uh, it's just ridiculous. They're really they're really accurate. They're really strong. And with the dark shrouds, I think if you took them without, but again, if you're playing dark angels, you better have at least one dark shroud model. If you don't, why the fuck are you even playing dark angels? Uh, as long as in that bubble and it gets the rerolls with things, it's just. Believe me, I sat there and my jaw was on the floor the entire time. I was just like, well, I'm just, <laughs> what? What is that doing? You know, and it was tough. 
did did you feel like the minus the minus one to hit really hurt your hive guard, or did it just hurt your the rest of your army in general? Well, it's cool because it forces it forces uh it minimizes decisions, right? So like my hive guard are fairly accurate anyways. They're hitting on threes now fours, or if at minus two even fives, but rerolling ones because of Chronos. Uh, That's not mega accurate, but there's a lot of those shots and whatever they hit. Because keep in mind again. The flyers don't have that many wounds. Dark shrouds are eight wounds or maybe nine or something like that. They're, 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 they don't last very long if you do hit them and do damage. Um, so that was where the kind of trade-off was. I think that's a very smart balance by Games Workshop. It'd be ridiculous if they were also defensible beyond that. <laughs> um, but, but, um, God, what was I going to say? I, well, it's gone. It's in the neither. Forgot. <laughs> uh, did you, did you run a lot of biovores, Jeff, in that game? Nine biovores. Nine yeah. biovores. You, you're spawning biovores spore are mines so good. everywhere. They're the best thing in the world. And I feel like spore mines, in particular, do really well against archangels. Because not only can oh my god, yeah, not only can you like, you know, put them anywhere because you're minus two to hit or minus one to hit. Um, but those mortal wounds really start to add up. <laughs> Thank you, Pablo. I actually remember what I was trying to say. I was saying it minimizes decisions. So in a game where I'm not suffering from minus one. My biobores are hitting on fours, which is fairly accurate. But even when they miss, like we, you know, everybody knows they, they're just as powerful that way as well. But against the Dark Angels list, when there's a lot of minus one or minus two, I all of a sudden am, I'm more counting on creating mines as opposed to doing actual damage. So it changes what I'm shooting at, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, is I guess the point I'm trying to make. Dark Angels force you to make tar- tough choices, especially if you put everything in that minus one or minus two bubble um, with the Dark Shrouds, which you mostly should anyways. And then that plays different from a lot of other lists. They have access to minus one, but you don't see lists like pre-Demons um, Codex. The Changeling wasn't where like the entire army started, right? It just had a bunch of brims kind of branching out from that or something like that. All right. Well, I think we've covered the Dark Angels enough. Um, let's go ahead and move on to the Blood Angels now. Uh, this is an army yeah. I, I'm really, really excited about. Um, I've been looking a lot of, a lot at it. Um, and specifically, uh, I, I'm, I'm under the impression that you need hard-hitting mobile characters. Uh, it's the reason why Celestine, even though she gives up a billion points in ITC Champions missions, like like literally like a billion points. She's, she's stupid. Literally a billion. Literally. Literally one billion. But she still somehow manages to win. That's how good the model is. Um, uh, jo- joking aside, she gives up a lot of points, uh, essentially. Um, and mm-hmm. you need her, and the Imperium players know they need her, uh, because they need something super mobile, 24 inches, and charge after she moves 24 inches. Uh, she's got six attacks, Strength 7, Ren 4, 2 damage. She can kill most things in close combat. Um, she also buffs Seraphim, which are also really good mobile units that have Inferno pistols that, that can get in, tie something up like a Rhino, and then blow it up afterwards, and then go tie something else and kill it. Or maybe not a Rhino, but like a Land Raider, something, something you want to tie up, something you don't, you don't want to have to worry about. Um, so, Blood Angels have character, mobile characters in spades that do really well. They're, they're Death Watch, Captains, you make them Death Watch. Um, so their Death Watch captains with Thunder Hammers are some of the hardest hitting characters, period. Uh, you can get them up to seven or six Thunder Hammer attacks, re-rolling with charges, with re-roll charges, and you just kill anything. You just kill a Fire Raptor in one turn, you know, one combat easily. Uh, so that's kind of how I was, how I was looking at the Blood Angels in general. Is how can I take, uh, char- Blood Angels characters with access to their stratagems and relics, and that's it. Um, and Death Company are also pretty good too, because uh, Death Company are they're cheap. Um, they have access to a lot of buffs. They they get out a lot of attacks. They're really good 
at clearing things. Um, and then you can you can turn one Wings of Sanguinus them in to combat. Um, actually, I think Wings of Sanguinus is only the Psyker. Never mind. It's the caster. Uh, yeah, they do, do have the what I consider one of the strongest tools in the Codex, which is the Forlorn Fury Stratagem that gives one of your Death Company units a free move before the start of the game. So, like, a jump pack unit of them, you know, scoots forward its 16 inches and then moves another 12, and suddenly you're charging, like, half the enemy army. Yeah, and and they're a death company. Uh, Yes, they put out a lot of attacks. Yeah, just a lot of attacks. And they're cheap. They're they're, they're really, really cheap. A five-man death company unit is, I think, still under 100 points with jump packs and chainsaws. That's like 95 or something. Yeah, it's dirt cheap. And you're you're getting you're clearing conscripts, cultists, gaunts, guardians, scouts, anything, anything, any yeah. any of those little toughness bodies. Yeah. Um. So that's that's my impression, essentially, is that they're uh, for melee characters and for for getting alpha strikes early on your opponent as a supplement. I feel like that's their best role. Um. But I might be wrong. Well, yeah. Sean, you got to start with this one because people are going to kill me if I keep talking as much as I have. Yeah, it's I have played some Blood Angels armies. I've seen a number of lists posted to various places on the Internet and kind of like looked at like, what would I do against this? What are they going to try and do to me? My impression of Blood Angels is that they do hit really hard. They have a lot of characters who will just wreck face. But once that captain is kind of like sitting out in the the open exposed and he's got his three up armor, four up invuln, six up feel no pain, and that's all that's keeping him alive, he's going to die really quick. So I I think blood angels are going to be important in that they're kind of they're going to play gatekeeper for a lot of lists. It's just like, "Oh, sorry, you can't be blood angels. You don't get to the top 10." Mm. Um but I am a little skeptical of them being able to take top places themselves just because I don't think they have the the durability to really hold out against a lot of things. Um, if you are getting alpha struck by, you know, a plasma list or you are getting jumped on by a whole bunch of Eldar or something like that, I think Blood Angels are kind of going to struggle. Yeah, I agree with a lot of what you said. I think um, I think Blood Angel players can be excited because it's a fun. In in eighth edition, has been really good about this. The fluff factor of the list feels very Blood Angel-y. You know, a lot of drop down and bludgeon you in the face with the chain sword, and and a lot of kind of cool badass characters, Mephistons out there, and Lamartis, and th- these kind of things. Yeah, they got some um, really good characters. Really good characters, good auras. They are going to hit something and kill it. But I absolutely agree with Sean in the respect that I feel like where they lack, and maybe some cool synergy can come out, or uh, some comboing with other elements, uh, or maybe even just Blood Angel stuff just done a little bit less effectively than, than perhaps what other chapters could do, but they need to be able to clear a screen and then jump on something more important, because I see what a lot of their, their list being doing is hitting a good player, jumping on top of that, that line of... Uh, you know, whatever screen and then getting obliterated because they are still just space Marines. They don't have access to super mega high defensible abilities. Um, mm-hmm. They don't have, you know, they, they just have the standard stuff in that way. And, and and they're not so bad. It's not, it's not the same problem. Some other lists have like death watch and stuff like that, where you're paying higher points per guy and the damage output's nice. But again, you're hitting that screen and then just dying immediately after. 
but you're still losing huge elements of this list. And it doesn't have things like the Swooping Hawks, which can like re-enter the sky or something like that. So a lot of their lists are 15 guys dropping down, smashing something, a couple of uh, Sanguinary Guard units dropping down, and they're like smaller and very expensive, but able to kill because they have you know higher-rending weapons, but they too need to find a target. Or you even fail those charges, which does happen. I think it's like 3d6 re-rollable. Uh, uh, they have 3d6 on the drop, but... Yeah. yeah, like, you can still fail that 9-inch charge on 3d6. That's not that unlikely. Even when you spend that command point and pop the stratagem and everything, it's just bad dice happen, and you have to be ready to deal with that. Bad dice happen, and, and, yeah. 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 And that's their whole thing, though. Like, yes. So that's that's where... So, so you get away from that. You're like, yeah, Jeff, but you can do these other things. And it's like, can you, though? Like, what other elements of Blood Angels builds towards a different kind of build? And that's where I think the Codex, for me is a little bit disappointing in that if you're not doing those things, what are you doing and why is it blood angels? Yeah. yeah, it's, I, I think they are perfectly fine for the more casual or kind of like mid tier competitive player. Like if you're only going three and three at your big tournament, you'll do fine with blood angels. Uh, they're not going to be any worse than most codices for you, but they are a codex that is going to struggle to climb to the very top of things. Yeah. And- yeah. And one thing Blood Angels and Space Marines in general um, don't have going for them that a unit like that a list like Sean Nain's list has is supplemental chaff, um, forward moving chaff. So like Sean Nain has Guardians in your face, Swooping Hawks in your face, Warlocks can move in advance and get up the board quickly and hide. Um, and so what ends up happening is you want to shoot a character, but no, you can't because there's like a one model Swooping Hawk that you couldn't kill hiding in this building and he's an inch closer to you. So now you can't shoot and that ruins your plans. Um, Blood Angels don't mm-hmm. really lend to that, uh, just just because Marines mm-hmm. are very expensive. They don't have the the tools to swarm the board, the entire board, quickly. Um, I but... would disagree with that a little bit. Uh-huh. Uh, you're not entirely wrong, because Blood Angels have a lot of really expensive units, like those Death Company, mm-hmm. the Sanguinary Guard, and whatnot, and those are eating up a lot of points. Right. But they do have access to Space Marine Scouts, Ex- which are really cheap really effective, great at pushing forward, and with that, if you're a pure Blood Angels army and you're getting that plus one to wound, like, those guys charging into combat are no joke. Yes, it, I, I was just about to say that. Like, no, scouts, I, I got gotcha. you. No, yeah, you got me. But, uh, if so, if you wanted to build a pure Blood Angels list and you wanted to be competitive in ITC Champions missions, um, I would say instead of going with a glass cannon heavy hitting list, I would go with a one hard hitting Death Star unit that, that you need to punch a hole in your opponent's army, um, and then run things like scouts, scout bikers, and a lot of death company because death company are they're very mobile chap. Uh, they they can move mm-hmm. around, they can kill little things, so they can fight for small little objectives in terrain, and they're relatively cheap. So you're upsetting some people by calling them chaff. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> I, I'm sh- I'm sure I am. They're, de- sure. they're death company. They're freaking babies. And Paul was just like, they're little, you know, they, they kill stuff. Right? They're, they're they get on, up there and they try. <laughs> they're on their way out anyways. You might, you they might got the well black rage, man. They're murder machines. Yeah, this is what you use them for. You use them to move up your, you know, <laughs> move up in your opponent's face. And then when they want to charge, you tell them to go hide in a building and, and you know, talk wow. it out with their superiors. I'm sorry, you know, Bloody players out there. I apologize on behalf of Pablo. Um, I, I know, I Me, know it's I'm not doubling very... down on it. Death Company aren't even a real unit. They're the oh, worst no. thing in the Codex. <laughs> um, I, I know it's not very sexy, uh, but 
I feel like if you were to make a really good Blood Angels list, um, you would need Scout Bikes and Scouts and Death Company on top of your hard-hitting hammer unit. So stay away yeah. from the vehicles. That, that's just... That's but basically that is the it. list, in my that, opinion. That that's is it. the list. Yeah, that's it. That's there's no, You're not going to get anything else. Um, uh, maybe you'll get some random Inferno pistols on all the characters, uh, all the sergeants and stuff. So, so you know, like that can be pretty. That can be pretty cool. Um, if you if you need to like gangbang a land raider or a, I don't know, a fire raptor or something. I don't know. Whatever. But that's where it. Uh, just being a little bit critical. That's where it just fell short for me though, because because a lot of these codexes, like you know, a lot of Eldar lists are going to be very different. There's going to be a lot of they're very similar, but they have the option and ability to give it their own flavor. Uh, they gel with other things, you know. There's the Yanari, the all that kind of stuff is is different. And even the the and I, I know that comparing Blood Angels to Eldar is a little bit different because Eldar has the different craft worlds and stuff like that, so it's a little bit more broad in that sense. But the the Blood Angels Codex is drop down an assault shit and have some pretty cool characters. That's it. If you're running ball predators, if you're doing a dreadnought Blood Angel list, why any of that? You know, there's no reason to. Yeah, especially from a competitive perspective, they've yeah. basically got one plan, and if that plan doesn't work, they've got nothing else. Yeah, we are going to eat our words. Someone's going to win with <laughs> librarian dreadnoughts and Lucius drop pods. And let's do I mean, it. You, you yeah, know? honestly, great. More power to him. I right. love seeing those weird lists. Sean Naden, as we mentioned earlier, he's great at that. He yes. brings these bizarre lists to and wins with them. Yeah. So, so I, I just, agree. I I feel like every year I always see a wonky list, um, and and it does really well. This year will be no exception. I'm sure of it. Uh, so, I love being wrong, and that's what's that's oh, what's yeah, so beautiful great. about this game. Is like I'm talking about generalities. Most people cannot break away from this mold, but. It's so cool that there's people smart enough and skilled enough in this game to prove us wrong, and I, I, I will be that guy every time. I don't care. I'd love to be wrong. Please, be great. And, and if you yeah. prove us wrong, rub it in our faces, please. I, I rub it in Pablo's face. Exactly. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> rub it in my face. Go into the comment section. Call me a hack. You know, threaten yeah. to never listen to my podcast again. You know, I'll be like, <laughs> kudos to you, man. You're, you're good. Yeah. You're on your it. way. Um, so, final, final codex. Um, uh, the, the codex just released. Um, so you guys all have your hands on it. Um, I know a lot of Chaos players are uh, either really, really happy or really, really angry because they, they spent hundreds of dollars on Brimstone Horror models. Um, and I apologize, but also, like, hashtag sorry, not sorry. Um, Brimstones, are just, they needed to go. They've, they've been too good for too long. Um, so, Chaos Demons. There's a lot to talk about here. Uh, the one thing before we get into the tactics stuff is I really like that the Codex is color-coded. Uh, the stratagems are either pink, yeah. blue, green, or red, which which is I think is hilarious. Because uh, for me, as someone who doesn't play really play Chaos Demons, I know what all the gods are, um, but they don't, you know, the the abilities wouldn't really jump out at, to me as well as you know other people. You know? So anyway, that block of stratagems at the back of a book can often be a little kind of just like it is this monolithic. Like I don't even yeah. fucking know where that stratagem comes exactly. from, and having them divided out like that makes it a lot easier. Yeah, I like so, so just aesthetically. I just wanted to give GW a quick shout out because I, th I think it's pretty cool. <clears throat> um, so first things first, uh, Jeff, I I think you you broke it out. You broke the news on the Facebook page. Um, so I, I want you to tell my listeners. The PSA about uh, the the stratagem to deep strike. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of people, one of the first things that leapt out at them is the obvious amazing stratagem with the demon codex, where you just get to deep strike something, and you pay two points for a certain power level, yada yada. But obviously, 
the mind leapt to Mortarian and Magnus. Um, and it was really funny because I actually, I almost never post on the competitive 40K Facebook page, not because I'm like against it or better than it or whatever. I just like to read people's comments as opposed to put my own out, out there. Um, and I do enough arguing competitive gaming as it is anyway, so <laughs> I don't need that. But I, I was uh, compelled by some people that I may or may not know that may or may not absolutely know how this will be ruled. And the very, very um, honest answer, and, and I don't have a horse in the race, but I thought it was funny when people started to question me and stuff, but um, it's just purely the timing of this. So the Demon Codex comes out, people are going to be excited about playing their demons at the LVO, but it's like literally coming out, and then two weeks later is the tournament. In one week, maybe, if GW's on time, which ha, uh, doesn't yeah. always happen, Um <laughs> would be the following weekend uh, or, you know, at the earliest, maybe it's like two days before. And I would hate to hear from people that are like, just painted up both Magnus and Mortarian. Can't wait for Vegas. Reese, you're the best. And then they like get on the plane and on the plane, the FAQ oh. comes out and it's, and it's not like their entire army's invalidated or illegal. It just means that the mechanic of using that stratagem to get a sure thing with warp time uh, off in terms of deep striking a Magnus or Mortarian, getting them into, into your opponent's face right off the bat, which a lot of people, and, and this is a fair argument, they're like, I can't even play my Mortarian or Magnus because they die. But with this, I could finally get them off the table. So I understood people were really excited about it. A lot of people have those models because they're fucking gorgeous and awesome, and a lot of people are going to do this thing, but you can't. You won't be able to. The FAQ will clarify it. People in the know know this and can't say it because they are way way too into being like the good boy scout because jeff in certain positions would have just straight up fucking told people but whatever other people don't want to do it that's fine so so that we're being entirely clear here and <laughs> correct me if i'm wrong um to spell it out for our listeners um the demon stratagems do not work on models that have the demon keyword. It's on models that have oh, the okay. demon faction okay, keyword. Okay, and, and I have to say something um, for, for legal reasons, because obviously I work with Frontline Gaming. This is not an official statement. Um, what Jeff is saying, what Sean right. and Jeff are talking about, is pure speculation and conjecture, but it it's is not, highly but it's not educated. Official... <laughs> it's a highly, really 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 good hunch i'd put a lot of money on on what jeff jeff is yeah. talking about and the sources however uh this is not official so that i just have to make that 100 percent clear this is not an official announcement we are not speaking for games workshop um we are just talking and speculating about something that let's be honest here that gw trends and tends to do which is nerf armies and nerf you know really powerful things obviously um, overpowerful things uh, i would say I, yes i would say extremely overpowerful but um so sorry Sean, I, I just i needed to get that off so go ahead go ahead and finish no that. that's fair that's it's, it yeah we we are not an official source but you can be pretty sure that gw is not going to allow this uh obviously these stratagems and most of this stuff is meant to work with the Demon Codex, not with the Thousand Suns Codex, not with the Death Guard Codex or all of that. Um, but that said, my understanding is that a lot of the auras and whatnot that benefit demons will still work on those models. Yeah, so so I think that's a good transition um, into something I think you're going to see a lot of. Um, and it's already terminology that's been coined uh, by Chaos Space Moon players. 
Um, and that's bombs, right? You have the, the yeah. cultist bomb, the terminator bomb. Now you're going to have the blood letter bomb. Uh, you're going to have the flamer bomb. Um, what a bomb is, for those of you who are newer who um, don't go to tournaments and may not know that terminology, a bomb is a unit, usually keep it in deep strike reserve, not always, um, but is a unit that is able to drop down on the field or get into your opponent's face and shoot slash charge something into oblivion. And it's, this, it's usually a really big, hard-to-deal-with unit. So it's like a big thing, like a nuclear bomb, right? So just, they just drop down and then... There's no there's no models left of yours on the table around them because they shot and charged and killed them all. Um, so that's what a bomb is, uh, and you're going to see a lot of these in chaos lists because um, now they have access to uh, the ability to deep strike. Uh, corn blood letters also can fight again in the fight phase and also roll 3d6 um, for their charges, which isn't a guarantee, uh, but it's close enough and reliable enough to be something you have to worry about. Exactly. And they can get the re-roll off of the uh, the Locus, which yeah. the corn I think, has far and away the best of the loci. Uh, um, so a 3d6 charge with a re-roll, it's not a guarantee, but it's pretty close. Yeah. Pretty close. And they're, remember, they're Chaos Demons, so you're probably going to see Chaos Space Brains on the flip side doing the exact same thing with a Cultist Bomb, um, because they've got all these you know, Brimstone Horrors, they're, they're nerfed, um, they have the six of Indwell now, so I don't see as many reasons to take them, although you, there's still definitely reasons to take them because they're really cheap OPSEC units with N Indwell save. Um, but I, yeah. I think... The, Just as a cheap troop, they're yeah, fine. they're great. Um, but a natural synergy is Cultist Bomb, Bloodletter Bomb. Cultist Bomb clears the chaff, Bloodletter Bomb rolls 3d6 with a reroll into your back line. And then that's, that's it. Game over. Um, I think that's going to be a very common, very cheap uh, thing, tactic that you're and I don't mean cheap, like, it is cheap, it's, it's very dirty, but it's also cheap points-wise, because blood letters aren't that expensive, cultists aren't that expensive, and it only comes out to about six six command points, maybe seven. Um, so that's really, really powerful. Only. O- only six. I mean, it's, I'm like, whoa. It's not even Jesus. that many, is it? Because it's, well, it's two for uh, Denizens of the Warp, the yeah. Deep Strike stratagem, uh, and then, one to sneak them in, yeah. one for the 3d6 charge. So you're looking at like four command points right. there. Uh, Just uh, for them, though, but the Cultist Bomb is expensive. Yeah. Points wise. Uh, I think you know, it's one to three, three, depending on how far you're going in. Yeah, it, it, it depends on how, how you know severe your opponent wants to shoot and, and kill things, because um, the Cultists could obviously get to shoot again. Um, and get plus mm. one to wound as well. So I, I imagine I would use about five or six command points if I was running a list like that, but obviously every player and every list is different. Um, either way, it's something that players need to watch out for. It is uh, everything Blood Angels wish they could do. Um, which <laughs> Well, and to, to kind of piggyback off that, uh, the, the demons have int- access to another pretty important stratagem is like, Blood letters are not that hard to kill. They're just toughness three five up, uh, but you can get that plus one invuln save on them for two command points, uh, and I think that is also pretty big because that like suddenly tearing through forty guy thirty guys with a a four up invuln is a lot harder task. Yeah, yep. yeah, I I agree. I thought that plus one invuln was only for each models, but um, I believe it is for anybody. Yeah, the the colors are a little weird on this but um anyways yeah yeah so yeah, that that makes them better a four pinball is perfect um that's right around where you want to be if you want to just be kind of reliably durable not crazy durable um i love what this codex does for the meta it's we we, we obviously have uh in existence already the idea of drop down and assault but this is like 
especially the 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 corn aspect of the demon codex is a pretty guaranteed hard hitting charge unit that is a lot of bodies and it's going it's going to kind of it's going to reinforce some of the lists that I think make 8th edition more interesting and good um especially as they happen balancing a lot of the screen units as well like brimstones were stupid for how good they, for how they good were they were absurd before just it was people, so hard to get rid of them yeah and in in conscripts too weren't stupid good but they were just very cost effective so all of a sudden those units are still in existence but they're a little bit more killy so they become a little bit more reliability but more lists are going to have to spend more points on preventing themselves from just dying to this kind of thing so a list like and I'm not saying this list exactly, but a list like the four Fire Raptors and Gilliman, it all of a sudden becomes a little bit bigger of a risk, especially if you know Scarbrand's going to be on top of you and the Bloodletters could table you turn one or two. Mm-hmm. Um, you stop. You start to think, maybe I shouldn't take that kind of list. And you start to see a little bit more balanced list because you take into account the discussion earlier, too, where it's like, you need to be worried about that kind of a thing because demons are everywhere, by the way. People love demons. There's tons of those models out there. But then also, we talked about you need to be mobile, so you need to be getting out there and getting out objectives. Maybe you don't have swooping hawks, but you need something that can get into the middle of the table and score ITC objectives if you're going to play an ITC tournament. So all these considerations gel together, and we're starting to get a little bit further away from early 8th edition shenanigans that I I did not enjoy at all, where it was like, I've got six Storm Ravens. Like, that's a really cool list, man. Like, yeah, it just walks (laughs) with Gilliman. It's like, all right, you know. So we're getting further away from that kind of stuff, which still can happen, by the way, people. I'm not saying it's going to go away completely, but all of a sudden, as more of these codexes come out, you're starting to have to consider different things, and your list becomes more well-rounded, at least in my opinion. Yeah, I I think that's true. There are more kinds of threats that you have to be able to deal with, and there's it's much it's more possible to play the objective game and to to just lose on points without just tabling your opponent. I, I like what this codex does to Chaos players and Chaos lists. Um, because if you look at previous Chaos lists, pre-Chaos Demon Codex, uh, a lot of them were Alpha Strike, get in your opponent's face, and then don't worry about your backfield. You've got 4++ plus plus Brimstones with the Changeling. That was what your Chaos Demon part of your yeah. Chaos did. That was that was it. Um, now, you take that away from them, you you have a weaker backfield, so you got to give those Chaos players a choice. Um, do you spend more points and invest in Plague Bearers or something a little bit more durable? Um, and cover your backfield better, um, like what the Brimstones did? Or do you go all in and do you go Blood Litter Bomb plus the regular bomb, and yeah. you know, going for a full Alpha Strike? It it's it shifts the way the most dominant faction in 8th Edition plays. And yep. that's big. That's, that's huge. It, it, it'll increase and it was variety. done right, too, because it, it like they received <clears throat> two of the bigger nerfs I've seen in 8th Edition in, in the sense that like the Changeling became dog shit. It's so funny, because everybody has two of those little goddamn noodles, and they're like, <laughs> they're like, well, you know, this is the, exactly <laughs> like you just said. My backfield is spoken for. My OPSEC is there. Like, it, it was so stressful. And then Brimstones, people were putting fucking... Nick Nanavati, I'm looking at you. They're putting, like, marshmallows out on the table. They had little cardboard things. It's just ridiculous stuff. But they were doing that, and they were doing it shamelessly because of how good they were. It was stupidly inexpensive. Four plus in yeah. Minus one to hit. They actually could smite because, you know, somebody got drunk at the GW offices and fell over on their keyboard. And that's what came out. Those nerfs happened, and now the, the Brimstones, less than the Changeling, are not worthless. They're still cheap troops, like Sean said. I absolutely agree with that. But... Yeah. They were given so many cool tools, so much cool fluff, such a very fun-feeling codex that if you look online, I'm not saying there's not angry Warhammer 40K nerds because that's never possible, but 
these nerfs happened, and relatively speaking, the sky didn't fall. Like People are pretty okay because they have all these other cool things to play with. I think that's a cool telling sign in my book. Yeah, I, like, I agree. Yeah, I think there's a lot of good stuff to like in this book. Personally, I am a little bit unhappy because Slanesh does not get a lot. Hmm. Um, they feel like, yet again, GW has kind of forgotten about Slanesh. They get a great locus. Um, the advance and charge within range of a character is fantastic. Um, only arguably as good or maybe even better than the, the corn one. But the problem is... Um, you know, whereas Corn and Nurgle and Zinch are getting tons of units, Slanesh still has like six units total. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, GW didn't even bother to rename the Herald of Slanesh. Every other Herald renamed <laughs> into some <laughs> random combination of two words, the, the Bile Pergler or the, the Change Smiter or whatever the hell they decide to call everything. And Herald of Slanesh is still just Herald of Slanesh. <laughs> <laughs> So they may have actually forgotten. <laughs> I I always feel like GW just forgets Slanesh exists. They still don't have a named Greater Demon. It's been yeah. five editions, and they still haven't managed to come up with one. Isn't Zuriel um, Zuriel the Greater? There, so there is the Forge World like uh, Super Ultra Mega Demon. I see. There are in several instances in the fluff named Slaneshi Demons. There is not one in the Chaos Codex. There never has been one. Oh man, that's so funny. Um. So, yeah. so moving away from but, Slanesh, go ahead. Whining aside, yeah. yeah. Uh, moving um, away from Slanesh. They fell in love with Nurgle, I'll tell you that. Though. Nurgle, oh my gosh. Nurgle is so, super good. So I've got a, I've got a funny anecdote. Um, in recent Frankie might get upset at me for telling you guys this, but I, I think it's more hilarious and worth telling you guys. Um, so you guys are gonna see a battle report come up, um, between Reese and Frankie where Reese plays orcs and Frankie plays pure Nurgle mm -hmm. demons. And, yeah. uh, the game itself, or the, the what you guys are gonna see, it's very civil, um, you know. They they talk, they, <laughs> but but um at one point Reese Reese was just constantly complaining because because Frankie had plague right plague toad riders, and yeah. he was using revolting regeneration to return models back and return wounds back and then gave them plus one to their disgusting resilient saves and then using a mm. character to buff them. So there was this hard hitting near nigh impossible to kill plague toad running around destroying Reese's orcs. And Reese at one point was just complaining, and Frankie was like, "Listen, like, can we can we tone it down a little? Because um, it is very very easy to get that salty when you, when you essentially can't hurt a unit because it's so yeah. so good." And um, Reese, instead of you know apologizing, um, he was very very upset. Um, he asked me to step in. He was like, "Pablo, do you want to jump in on this?" And I was like, "Nope." Uh, I'm uh, <laughs> I'm just getting my sandwich, Reese. Uh, eventually, of course, Reese and Frankie are they are an old married couple. Um, so it sounds worse than it is. They of course eventually calm down. You know, you know kissed, and made up, no big deal. It's Reese and Frankie's relationship, uh, and it's been that way for years and years and years. Um, so uh, Reese does get a little bit salty he gets sometimes. Very, he gets very salty, and and that's why I'm I'm confident that I can say this um and not get trouble oh, yeah. because it's it's pretty well known, but. He he had a. I was watching parts of the game, and he had every reason to be salty. You know, normally when Reese complains about a unit, a really powerful unit, I I feel like like he's he's over exaggerating, and it's not warranted. Um, but as he was playing, um, I felt myself leaning more towards you know he's being right because those plague toads just took over the game by themselves. You know, at one point Frankie told because Reese was complaining, Frankie was like, Reese, you're winning. Why are you complaining? 
and Reese is like, like, no, you, those plague toads are gonna win. And then at the end of the game, rolls around and, uh, oh, I guess spoiler alert. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, uh, for those of you who haven't seen the battle report yet, um, but um, just a quick second for everyone who wants to pause and skip. Reese, Reese lost. I know. I already spoiled. It. <laughs> Whatever. Sorry, guys. Forgot to do a spoiler alert. Um, but I think it was pretty obvious towards the middle of that game. Um, where that game was going, and I think it's worth watching anyways, just to see how the Nurgle demons play. Um, but Reese got Reese got destroyed at the end, and that's what Nurgle demons do. And I like that. I like that uh, Frankie ran a pure Nurgle demon army with a greater and clean one. It was beautiful. He had a variety of of putrid thingies, griblies, um, and no Death Guard, no Mortarian. It was just Nurgle demons, and he did really well. Um, and I think I think that's possible with with Zinch lists as well. I don't think Corn can do it as well. Um, though I think Corn with Scarbrand and Bloodletters, um, there's definitely something to be said there. Uh, but I think like Nurgle and Zinch, just looking at the book, they just have powers that do so much, and they play so differently as well. Yeah, it yeah. sounds like a really good codex. Good, it's... John. I think the thing that I would kind of like call out for Nurgle, and it's really easy to underestimate, but it's super important, is Nurglings. They're so good. They are really cheap. They're much harder to get rid of than you think they are. They can sneak basically anywhere onto the board. They no longer are allowed to deploy into combat, but anywhere nine inches outside of enemy models in the enemy deployment zone... Um, so they're able to create space for you to bring in your deep strikers, which is very, very important. If those Elytok Rangers just block off the whole center of the board and you can't put your demons within 25 inches of them, I don't fucking yeah. care how good you can, you are yeah. in close combat. Yeah, and, um, I'm but, so glad and, they nerfed them. And they're great at pulling objectives. Like, uh, Frankie, or, uh... Jeff has said several times here, it's very important that you can send those little units out to just sort of like hop on objectives and score points, and very few units do that better than Nurglings. Nurglings are the real secret to this book, I think. Um, yeah, and I, I would yeah. just say um, one of the underrated powers, they have a lot of good powers too, The, but I guess Nurgle, Nurgle has a plus two cover save power as well, which is pretty... Pretty clutch, pretty cool, but the powers in general for that demon codex are sick, I think. Yeah. There are a lot of... I'm I'm glad they brought a lot of the psychic powers up, because the demon powers were a little bit lackluster previously. Yeah. And what's the shit tree people are talking about deep striking? The the Gnarl Maw? Oh, the, yeah. The gnarl, it's it's okay. It um it Within six inches, it gives you a plus one to your cover save. Um. Mm. If you're and a Nurgle demon, I th- I think if you're a Nurgle demon, yeah. And then yeah, I think it, or maybe it's minus one. To, no, it's not minus one. To, it's it's plus one to your cover save within six inches. And you count as being in cover <laughs> yeah. within six inches of it. I that, that's it. And also, it makes your psychic powers a little bit better. It gives you plus one to your psychic powers. Overall, it's not like it doesn't strike me as something that that's a must take. It's just kind of cute and it, it helps. It's okay. Um, mm. nothing crazy. Um. But uh, one other thing I forgot to, I forgot to mention about the Zinch Demons is Pink Horrors got really, really good. Uh, they, they already, I think they have three or they have four attacks with their with their shooting attack. Um, I think it's just two. It's Assault it? 2, Assault Strength two. User, No AP. Maybe maybe there's a uh, way, maybe there's a way. Well, they have a, they have a power that gives you 
plus one to you add one to any wound rolls for the yeah, units shooting weapons. Yeah, like plus one to wound. Reroll once to wound with a warlord trait, I think, and I believe they have a reroll once to hit way to get something as well. Yeah, um, I'm just I'm reading through all their stuff because uh, James was telling me um, about how good the pink horrors are, and he was he's talking really mm-hmm. fast, um, so I just wanted to look through it. <clears throat> But pink horrors can throw out a lot yeah. of shots, and at seven points a guy, they're pretty cheap. Yeah, and and you know, sixty or uh, forty shots or sixty shots if you're a thirty man unit, plus one to wound mm-hmm. for rolling the wound will kill most things. Period. Yes. Uh, I think one of the other units that Jeff had mentioned earlier that I think is is going to be pretty big is Scarbrand himself. Um, because he does, he buffs a bunch of your guys, he makes them immune to morale, he gives everything plus one attack, all of that is great, but the game changer for me is that in a, you know, anything within eight inches of him cannot fall back from combat. And there are so many armies that rely on just, oh, you locked my guys in combat while I fall back and I shoot you, who cares? If you can't do that, it's big. Yeah. I think it's but it's almost can't do it. Right. Sorry, Jeff, I didn't catch that last part there. You guys don't hear me? No, good. you sounded distant. Okay. Oh, sorry, I'm trying to fix my fucking monitor. Um, mm. You take leadership on 3d6, I think. It's oh, is it 3d6? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, if, but, it's a, if they have like five leadership or six, they're not going to pass. Yeah, away. a lot of the armies that want to do that are relatively low leadership, and even if, like leadership eights, nines, and tens, it's not that likely to pass. Yeah. <clears throat> Uh, back to pink cores. They they also give reroll the heroes yes. of one with the warlord trait. That's yeah. That's it. So that was it. Anyways. <clears throat> yeah, you I, can stack a lot of bonuses onto those pink horrors or flamers. Yeah, and that's pretty much the name of the game for chaos demons in general is a bunch of buff stacking and and you know moving around the board. Um, but back to Scarbrand. Do you think Scarbrand deep striking with blood letters is is something that that will be seriously top tier? Um, so I think yes. But I don't. I'm not 100 percent sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the so. blood letters for sure. Blood letters are too good not to make appearances in some chaos armies. Scarbrand, he's a lot of points. All the big demons are really expensive. Like you're talking 300. In some cases, cases closing on 400 points. That's a lot to ask for a guy. Admittedly, they have a ton of wounds and an invuln save, so it's not like they're just pushovers. But like those are closing in on where Primarch numbers are at. Yeah. So, are they gonna be worth it at the end of the day? I don't know. But he at least he has an effect that is so unique and so backbreaking that people are gonna try him. Whether it works, it's hard to say. But he's important enough that people are gonna try him. Yeah. And he's cool, which is also... There's also that. I want to see more Scarbrand. I mean, his his ability is so fluffy. I just, I love... As soon as I saw him, I wanted to start a corn army. Because of how cool he was. Um, Now he can deep strike, so now he's even better. Sloppity Bile Piper. I'm I'm sorry. I just read that name. Is that his name? Sloppity Bile Piper? Sloppity Bile Piper. (laughs) <laughs> there's there's the demon names are all just straight up absurd. Bile popper? Bile yeah. piper. Uh, I 
I am also a big fan of Horticulus Slimax, <laughs> the guy who can, like, grow Nurgle trees. Um, so because basically any GW name is a pseudo-Latin word plus a weird English adjective. <laughs> and well, it's just, the book is full of them. Towards well, the end of 7th, it was like they asked their nephews and nieces what to <laughs> name something, though, because it was like, Skull Taker, the Skull Throne of the Skull God, Bloodface. And it was like, all right, that, <laughs> I don't know. take that serious. Fifth edition is the worst for me on that one. Is you know, every Blood Angels na- unit has blood in the name. Every go. Space Wolves unit is Canis. And every uh, Grey Knight unit is a Nemesis something or other. Yeah. Oh, man, these names are great. They're doing better. Yeah. Uh, Sloppity Bile Piper. I'm never going to get over that. That's uh, a hard one to get past. And it's from quite what, a name. Yeah, Sloppity is a tough word to take serious. <laughs> right? And I kind of like that about Nurgle because a lot of times Nurgle is the one who, like orcs, are in on the joke of 40k. And yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah, agreed. Alright, guys. Well, um, I think that pretty much wraps up the Chaos Demon Codex. Uh, like I mentioned before, if there's anything Jeff, Sean, or I missed, uh, let us know. I'm I'm definitely curious to hear what you guys think and what powerful combinations you guys can think of. Um, I know we were a little down on the Blood Angels Codex, so I know there's going to be at least three Blood Angels players that email me. and All three of them. <laughs> all, three, all three of them. There's a lot of Blood Angels players. Oh, yeah. I know, I'm teasing. <laughs> Gosh. Um, anyways, uh, email me, frontlinegamingpdpab at gmail.com, and let me know how what you guys think about the commercials, what you guys think about the, the episode format, and that's pretty much it. Jeff? Sean, thank you very much for being my co-host this episode. Uh, yeah, I'm excited. Next time we, one of these times we talk, we got to talk about custodies because that's actually, I have caught a wild hare and I'm buying them up. That's going to be my third army. Oh, okay. Really? I I got yes. some opinions about custodies, so maybe next time we'll have a talk about all this. Love to. Oh. I, and I'm know. different. I'm not. I'm not buying because I'm like guys. Next year at LVO, it's going to be custodies. <laughs> like, I, that's not why I'm doing it. I'm doing it because they're sure. the best fucking models I've ever seen. They're very pretty. And I and I think they are going to be good enough that I can... That's all that I need, is I need them to be good enough that it, when I play I'm not like giving away a win like I used to with Terranids in like 6th edition, but um, that's all. Yeah, okay, good it. enough is what most players want out of an army, honestly. And if GW can make that bar, I think most people are going to be happy. Yep, agreed. Yeah, they're doing a good job of it. Alright guys, thank you very much for listening. We'll see you guys after this break, and then we've got a message from the guys over at Life after the cover save. Hey guys, Big Nasty B here from Life after the cover save. And... Robo-Ed! Yeah! From the independent characters. Yep. Oh, I got a phone call. Who's calling me? Oh, Jesus. Jesus, who's calling me? I'm in the middle of doing a promo. Okay, can I turn it off? No, no, no. Keep going. Right, uh, okay, guys. So we gotta. We're doing. We're doing something. No, this feels Vegas. wrong, dude. This feels wrong. We need music. Yeah, yeah. Put in some music. Okay. Let's see what we got. Okay. Hey, that feels. No. Mm. No, I don't. I don't. I don't know. I, I don't think this is the right kind of music. No. Let me. Let me. Let me scroll through and see what I can find. Okay. Yeah. Because we want to find. We want to find the right thing. The yeah. right sound. It's got to set the mood. Yeah. Let's yeah. try this one. Okay. <laughs> I mean... I feel like this, this could... he might be doing a porno. Oh. Hey, guys. 
Las Vegas Open. Las Vegas Open. I know. No, it's not, no. Those two... Kind of, kind of slimy. More slimier than life or the cover save should be. Slimier than people slapping business cards for <laughs> strip, strip, strip clubs? Yeah. Was a... Oh, this is a good one. This is pretty heavy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 2018. Uh, I don't know. No, 2018. No. That's been... sort of Yeah. All right, we got another one coming. <laughs> okay. What is this one? Well, this is your book. Okay. okay. Yeah. Like 2018 LVO Valleys no, Las no, Vegas. No, no, I'm not feeling it. No. No. I could have. Okay. You know what? I think this next one. It doesn't matter which one it is. We have to sell it. We've just got to get behind it. No matter what it is. No matter we're, what we're it is. We're gonna cut the promo. Yeah, we gotta cut the promo. Okay. I'll <clears throat> I'll start up. <clears throat> Pertinent information it. only. <clears throat> All right. Yeah. <clears throat> we want to welcome you. 2018, the Las Vegas Open, Bally's Casino, Friday, the premier West Coast tabletop gaming event of the century. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Yeah. Uh, Not only is it going to be games across the entire spread of Bally's Spectrum. The entire spectrum. Yeah. But Life with a Cover Save will also be doing a live show. Yeah. With with guests. Maybe. And some prizes. Definitely there's gonna be some prizes to be won. With games. Games. Trivia. Yeah. Uh, hobby tips. Ha- probably not any hobby <laughs> tips, let's okay. just be honest here. Okay. Um fun for everybody. You gotta make. No, just keep going because I think we're gonna. Yeah, yeah we'll that, just. That was that was not bad. Yeah. God damn it! I'm on the phone. <laughs> Jesus. Hey, I'm I'm cutting the promo right now. I'm gonna call you back. Jeez, that's the second. Oh Jesus! Man, we got, we're running business here. We're live at the cover save. I th- I think that was good. <laughs> that was good music. Actually. Yeah, yeah, that was actually pretty good. Do you want me to put it back on and we can try again? <laughs> I don't know. I think it's perfect the first time. Okay. Because uh, I think we could do better. You think we do better? Yeah. Okay. Let's let's see if we can do better. Okay. I don't know which one is that one. Progressive House. <laughs> okay. Here we go. Progressive House coming back at you live. 2018 will be the single greatest hobbying and miniature gaming experience ever. Vegas, 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 Vegas. At Bally's in January 26th, I think, to January 28th, probably, the Las Vegas opens. Opens its doors. Open, 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 open. To nerds of all stripes. Stripes. stripes and sizes. Stripes, stripes. Especially a lot of big people. Yeah. Life After Cover Save will be doing a live... Podcast, podcast, podcast. Recording in front of a, a studio audience who are going to be thrilled and chilled and titillated with games 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 prizes 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 secret guests guests we hope we hope you're ready las vegas open 2018 that's not bad bad. see i think i think we that was a lot better and that was just our second take true do you know no 
For sure. <laughs> Wait, How long is this gonna? We, you think we could beat this? I, I bet. You know what? You put on a different. Excuse my French. What? You put on a different song. Uh huh. And I say we can run it. It doesn't matter what song I pick. Anything we can do it, bro. Anything Fashionals. I can pick. Okay. Yeah, whatever. So whatever this is. Whatever it is. We don't know what it is. We're gonna run the promo again. No, I think whatever this. Whatever we can do it. Pardon my French. Pardon your French, dude. <sighs> this isn't our show yet. Yeah, that's true. Yet. Well, we want to welcome you to Las Vegas Open 2018. Yeehaw! Where it is the greatest hobby experience you're not going to remember. I think that's the tagline, right? Moonshine and games. <laughs> yeah, and we want to invite you to our live rootin' tootin' podcast recording. Hoedown! It's on Friday night. We're not sure quite what time it is, and we think it might be a live stream. After supper, for sure. <laughs> so, make sure you eat all your vittles. Vittles? Yeah. Yeah. Grab your prettiest cousin and head on over to the live show. And just remember, when you hear the bell thing, what's the bell thing that they ring? The triangle. The dinner triangle. <laughs> you need to uh, uh, clean up your slop. And head over to the hall, where Life After the Cover Save is going to be doing a live show with prizes, guests, games, and, and more prizes. A lot of prizes, for sure. Yeah. We're not sure about the guests yet. Yeah. So, 2018, Las Vegas Open at Bally's, Life After the Cover Save. See, see you there. Dude, it doesn't matter who we do a commercial for. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, but, so this is a commercial for us. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, we could do, we could sell anything. We could sell smoke, snow to a Eskimo. No, no, Eskimo is not a good word. Okay. Um, oh, jeez. We're not sure about Inuit. Okay. Um, <laughs> a First Nations person living in a cold climate. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. A, a Greenlander. Sure. Is that fine? I think so. I don't okay. know. I don't know. A, I don't know if they live in Nicholas. A Bostonite. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. It gets cold it over gets there. It gets cold in Boston. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, I'm pretty proud of the work we've done here so far. Yeah. Uh, in case it was missed. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But in case you don't understand what we're doing. Times and, and they don't know what's going on. Blake and Ed are were, were asked and we obliged to do a uh, to do a show at the Las Vegas Open. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be after the big panel where important people are going to be talking. Yeah. We weren't invited to that. No, let's of make not. that clear. <laughs> of course not. Uh, Although we can ask any one of those people that are on the panel to run a commercial about the panel and not know what music's being played. Do that. I cha- well, pardon I said, your French. Please. Pardon your French. <sighs> they couldn't do it. No. And just be, be sure here. Uh, so it's gonna be after the panel. I think the panel hell, you know what? Maybe, maybe, hell. maybe during. Oh hell, Chewbacca! <laughs> maybe during the live show, we'll just have somebody play a music, and we'll talk about the panel. Yeah. Heck yeah, dude! <laughs> I gotta watch my mouth. Yeah. But here's the deal, guys. This is gonna be a late show in Vegas, if you know what I mean. So if you have kids or young ones with you. We might say some things that yeah. you probably shouldn't be said. Yeah. You know, or they they should be said, but they shouldn't be heard. Yeah. Um, and maybe we're just going to have some fun. Not by impressionable minds, maybe. No. 
or maybe the most impressionable minds need to hear what we have to say. This is true. Either way, so the plan is we're going to have a lot of fun. Yes. We're going to kind of do the stuff that we do. And we're going to play games. Get play some games. A lot of a lot of um, audience participation this is what we want. Yes, uh, which means prizes. We, which well, first we need we need an audience. Oh yeah, this, this is very true. I mean, we can count on our lifers to be there, but not the entire horde of lifers is going to be at the at Las Vegas. They can't afford it. <laughs> they're no. lifers. No, they're, but I mean, that means if uh, you're not a lifer, here's an opportunity. Yeah. To get to get brought into the fold. Yeah, if you're a liner. A liner? <laughs> yeah, like a frontliner. A frontliner. Yeah. If you're a signaler. Uh, okay, or a signaler or, or a liner. Or a cha- uh, what, what would chapter tactics be? Tackers? A tactician. A tact- the tacticians. Yeah. The liners and the tacticians and the lifers are come together. Yeah. And we're going to make a... The mega powers, dude. dude. You're going to get the lifers and then you're going to get the tacticians, dude. And we're going to form an alliance, brother. And that's when Hulk Hogan and Macho Man Randy Savage shake hands, dude, <laughs> to seal the deal, brother. Yeah, that's what we need. And so- then I slept with his wife, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Miss Elizabeth, rest in peace. Yeah, rest in peace. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, there's going to be some giveaways, some prizes, some games. Uh, we're just going to have some fun. Yeah, it's all about having fun and giving away stuff. And if you and if you want to ask questions, and, and then you could be part of it too. That's true. Your voice will echo through time for at least two years. Yeah, until we have to delete the file to make room for the new shows. Yeah, and here's the thing: I just want to put this out there. We're hearing this is a live stream. We don't know that. No. We don't know it's a live stream. We just found out we're doing this yesterday. <laughs> so, um, so, thanks for getting to us, Jason, by the way. Uh, so, yeah, if this is a live stream, Superman. Oh, if Superman. it's not a live Superman. Superman. If this isn't a live stream, well, Super 2. Yeah. It doesn't matter. No, but it'll be, uh, it'll be on our show. Yeah. And you might be famous. You might ask the best question in the whole entire world. And when we do this, that means tens of people will hear this on yeah. the internet. Maybe even 30. Yeah, we're hoping. Yeah. You know. So anyways, guys, we hope it's going to be Friday night. Yes. Which we, I, I'm not even, that's how professional I am. I, the 26th. The 26th. Of January. February. I almost said February. No. It's January. Yes. 26th of January. You're going to LVO already. Yeah. You're going to see the panel. What's the LVO? Las Vegas. Okay. Open. You're going to see I'm going to be there? Yes. Like, come on, dude. This is serious business. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, so it's after the panel. It's after the panel. Where Reese and the So you're already going to be there watching their boring show. Yeah. Okay. And you got 15 minutes you're to take gonna a piss. Del- you're you're going to be, your 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 head's resting on your knuckles. Yeah. It's going to be sliding. And drool. And there's going to be drool on your face. You're going to wipe it off, and you're going to wake up, and you're going to be part of our show. Yeah. We'll give you 15 minutes to take a leak. Yes. And to I, splash I'd some prefer, cold water on I'd your face. I prefer they don't leave because they might not come back. <laughs> so, All right, we're going to have a bucket in the back Yeah, where you can pee. Yes. And and then wipe on your face with too. <laughs> don't mix the buckets. All right, we said this was going to be 10 oh, minutes. Jesus. Well, we're at 12. Okay. But either way, uh, we, we, we hope whoever's hearing this, uh, you might want to pop in and, uh, and enjoy and have some fun with us. Yeah. L- LVO is a fun event. We've been to every single one. Uh, we've seen it from the beginning. Yeah. And we're happy to see this thing grow. Since and, inception. Since inception. And here's one last note. Whatever Pablo, whatever po- tactics Pablo's talking about today. Or whatever news yeah. Reason Frankie's talking about. Don't listen to it. No? Fake news, fake tactics. <laughs> All right? If you want to hear real tactics, 
and the the cutting edge of news. Maybe over the life of the cover save. And you won't, yeah. You, we might to... talk about seventh edition or something. 